everybody. Welcome to ToncoCast. Our guest today I'm super excited about is Kevin Dart. And Kevin is the creative director of a studio in Los Angeles called Chromosphere. And they've done incredible work that ranges from VR to little shorts, television work, art and design work for a lot of things that are to come out. But Kevin himself has worked on many things, many places over the last six years, ranging from Pixar to DreamWorks, Leica, Passion Pictures, as well as Cartoon Network. I think if you've been watching cartoons or animation over the last few years, you've definitely caught his work somewhere. Um, really excited to talk. Here's our conversation uh, with Kevin Dart. So Kevin, you know, I think overall, thank you for coming on the Tonko cast and kind of, I think everyone over here at Tonko House is such huge fans of the work that you've done with Chromosphere, but I think a lot of us, myself included, have been following your work from back when we were on Yuki and uh, when you were doing on Yuki and before Chromosphere and everything. And you and I met actually at Pixar where you were, you did a bit of design work, but also interning there. I'll tell you my memory of it, and then you can tell me the real thing. We had a pretty rock star group of interns at that. That was like one of the first big batches of interns we've ever had. And uh -huh. uh, there were some really stellar artists that, that were a part of that overall. And I remember you joined a little bit late. You were a couple weeks in. Yeah. I also remember that the work that you were doing was pretty... I would say amongst everybody, your work stood out. Also, I remember you built little paper models to figure out how all of the things you were designing would translate into 3D. And I also remember that even though you were the last to start, you were the first to finish. Enough so <laughs> that I remember that you actually helped other interns to finish their projects and get their stuff kind of all together. So my impression of you overall was, that, was, was to be overall impressed, first of all, but I also felt even then, you had a great sense of sort of your aesthetic, your brand, your like what is, I think now everyone knows as Chromosphere and Kevin Dart, but also that you are a really amazing person. You, you made time to help other people. And overall, I, I felt like I was like, oh my gosh, we should hire this guy. But at the same time, a lot of amazing things have happened since. But what was your impression of your time at Pixar as an intern? Man, thanks. I mean, I don't remember... I somehow don't remember finishing early. I mean, I do remember all of us kind of, it, it was actually a really good group of people there. And we were all kind of pulling together at the end to try to make sure we all got our projects finished on time. I don't think I was like alone helping everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a pretty amazing group. It was uh, Lorelai, Bridget Berger, Katie Wu, and Olga mm -hmm. Stern, who've all built really awesome careers since then yeah. and we, we had a really good time there like I just remember everybody being really supportive and like we were always kind of sharing what we were working on and helping each other it was it was really cool I, I mostly remember like the late nights like I would stay really late to work on stuff and go down to the cereal bar and then we would ride our scooters all around the studio <laughs> <laughs> till late into the night that's that's like my main memory yeah and Kevin, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, the studio, when we do these Tonko casts, sometimes we get together with some of the artists and talk. A lot of people talked about your overall aesthetic that has, from your days working on Yuki, uh, your own project, Yuki, to even the stuff that you're doing now, it has evolved, but there's always been this sort of strong identity. And I, I read, you know, on, the, on Google, um, you know, how... <laughs> Growing up, you moved around quite a bit. Your father was in the Air Force. And 
you know, I was curious as, as you were growing up, if there were specific individuals that sort of influenced your art growing up? Uh, man, I, I feel like I didn't really start thinking about style till pretty late. I mean, I, I always liked drawing, but I think the first thing that I saw where I thought like, that's actually really exciting to me was Dexter's Lab. When I first oh. saw that on Cartoon Network, I just hadn't really been exposed to like a lot of stylized cartoony graphic cartoon design until that point. And that kind of motivated me to start finding more of that. But that, that was like, I was already pretty well into high school at that point. I, I think subsequently from there, I kind of started doing a deeper dive into classic animation art and then sort of seeing like all the new stuff that was being done. Like I, I remember by the time I was like really seriously studying animation was when Samurai Jack came out. And that also had, I mean, it's another one again, these projects, but like it just had a big impact on me i just thought like uh like i didn't know people were pushing things this way in animation and it it got me really excited to try to figure out how to do something like that like how to come up with new kind of visual languages in animation once i started like diving into where a lot of the inspiration for that stuff came from i started coming across like a lot of mid-century illustrators uh, that's where like I pulled a lot of color palette inspiration from. I was like really into movie posters for a long time, mm -hmm. um, especially like Robert McGinnis. He's still one of my favorite artists, uh, just like the way he composes images and the, the textures and the color palettes and everything just like really resonated with me. And I think that kind of just got into my artistic blood and kind yeah. of like kept kept seeping out like even as it as the the stuff I was doing evolved and the people I was working with evolved like I think that still worked in there into like an overall aesthetic that's developed and the kind of stuff that I feel attracted to visually yeah so it's it's yeah. been a it's been a, a long evolution yeah that's amazing and it, it, throughout that sort of exploration and discovery do you feel like you've had mentors along the way at all or yeah my first mentor actually was a guy named Jeff Haney, who's a, he was an art director uh, in video games. And, and that's where I first met him. I, I worked in video games when I came out of school as a 3D character artist. And Jeff was, uh, was the art director on the project I was working on, which was an Evil Dead game. And he was like, I mean, I, I had already been to, to college, but I felt like meeting him was the first time I really started my art education because he just knew so much about how to work with light and color in ways that nobody had ever explained to me. Like he was the first one to explain to me that shadows have shapes, which had just never crossed my mind before and kind of helped me really crack open a lot of stuff that I hadn't been able to do up until that point. And just, he, he was like really supportive and has stayed supportive uh, like over the years, like we still stay in touch. And oh, that's amazing. he's, I mean, he's a fine artist now up in, like the Seattle area, mm -hmm. that, that kind of level of support that I got from him was really, really important. And then years later, when I, I finally got to work on one of Gendy's shows, which was Symbionic Titan, and I worked with Scott Wills, who was the art director on that, which was like terrifying to me. Like I, <laughs> I mean, do, do you know Scott? <laughs> I don't know him personally, but his work, obviously. Uh, like, I did not know what to expect going to meet him. And it turned out he was like the nicest, warmest guy, but it was still super intimidating and made me want to really push myself. 
what what was really amazing about him was that he had spent such a long time building his career as a traditional painter like a traditional background painter and yeah he, he would have all these in his office he had these little keys he had painted for samurai jack just kind of laying around like uh yeah was that one that one just kind of like toss them around and i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but he had somehow transitioned to to digital art seemingly effortlessly like he was able to apply all the same stuff from his uh traditional painting digitally and was able to like teach me a lot of his techniques digitally i mean i, I can't paint with real paint at all and like i, I never I just, <laughs> I just never got into it, but he was able to like, he just had these really great ideas about how to simplify light and capture it in the way that felt believable and realistic. Kevin, can you talk us through like one of those kind of ideas, one of those things that you picked up from Scott? I, I guess some of it was like how little you have to do to light a scene sometimes. Like, I mean, his his whole process and his way of going about things sort of created my process that I still use today where I always start with just blocking everything in with flat colors because I used to like when, when you're younger you spend a lot of time trying to like get one part of a painting just right and you're like ah like it's not working and he was able to show me how to work on a painting really evenly like just building it up and blocking everything in in flat colors and then like once you get it to that place where everything is just there like all of the parts of the painting are there you can throw in just like a highlight here and a and a little highlight there and a glow here and suddenly you're like oh the, it's lit now yeah <laughs> and i i like that approach a lot like not i think what was cool about it is it wasn't very literal like it wasn't his approach isn't heavily based in like the the sun's here so that means you're gonna have like a bounce light here and like this thing here like it's not logical it's just like this feels right to me i'm gonna i'm gonna just mm -hmm. put this color here and that color there and and then you you just sort of like buy that it is lit yeah and i mean he he just does that stuff effortlessly which i still can't really do i mean it's like a lot of work for me <laughs> oh that's interesting to hear yeah. i mean it, the results regardless the result whether it's a lot of work or not is really incredible for what you're what you do and and all the all the varied things that you've worked on. Uh, Kevin, do you mind jumping us a little bit into, you know, from that sort of overall experience and working with different people, talking a little bit about the start of Chromosphere. Like you were at that point, pretty successful artist. You had done some different dabbling in things, but how did Chromosphere come to be? Like making a jump from like, you know, an artist who's doing his thing to deciding to start a studio what did that decision look like and what what really played into that for you? I mean, part of it is just that identity. Like, even though I was, like, working pretty consistently as an artist in animation at that point, I, I never totally felt that way myself. Like, I've always had a lot of business inclinations. And I, I've for a number of years, my friend Chris Turnham and I ran a little business called Fleet Street Scandal where we printed mm -hmm. books and made prints and sold them and stuff. And I, I was, like, always kind of feeling that desire like I wanted to run a business but like I didn't have any professional experience doing it so like I was always kind of thinking like like what would this look like like I, I felt that urge for a pretty long time like I want to do something of my own like create my own kind of collaborative workspace and because I had those different parts of my brain all the time I always felt a little claustrophobic at any art job that I worked like 
I mean, I was always learning a lot and I love art. Like there's definitely a big part of me that is an artist, but there's like a bunch of other things that I like to do also. And so for me, it actually didn't feel like a really dramatic shift. It was, it was kind of just like following a path that I felt like I had already been on for a while. But I do know, like, specifically, like, I, I was working as a as an art director at the time. Like, well, like when I finally decided, all right, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a plan and I'm going to do this in, like, a year or two. I, I was working as an art director on Steven Universe, which, uh, for the first season, which is an amazing show and we're still doing a lot of work for at Chromosphere. This is, like, 20, 2013 or something. I, I was doing the job and I was really, really passionate about the show. But one day after work, my wife told me that she was pregnant with our first son. Mm -hmm. And I think the next day I thought like, if I'm really gonna do this thing that I've been thinking about, like this is the time, like the, this is the other piece of my life that I wanna get set up. From that point, I kind of set out, I think it was like a year and a half to two years from that point where like, actually open the doors to the studio like the physical doors but I, I think pretty soon after that I actually started the the business like registered it and everything and started doing work under the name Chromosphere and I started experimenting with like getting a job and like not doing it all myself like working with a team of artists on it but like yeah. kind of managing it all from home so I would be like I would get a job in and then at night, like after my regular job, I would I would go home, like get get on Slack, email a bunch of artists, hand assignments out and stuff. Wow. And then to, just to sort of like prove to myself that I could do it, that I could manage work like that. I think it just like it took off quicker than I was expecting. Like I, I figured at some point that would turn into like a full time job kind of a thing. It all happened probably a bit quicker than I was expecting. And yeah, eventually it just became clear, like I couldn't keep doing that on the side, like I needed to make it my full time job. So I mean, it, it was it was a big deal. Because I mean, by the time I actually went out looking for an office space and rented it, like, our son was like one and a half or two or something. And mm -hmm. I was like, by that point, you have like these other weights on it, where you're like, I feel like I'm gambling with our family's future now by like committing to this rent. And like, is this really going to work out? Like I've proven it on a small scale, but like, can I really do it on this big scale where people are going to be depending on me? But luckily my, my wife, Elizabeth, she's like super supportive. And she was like, I think you need to, to do this. Like you need to try. Yeah. It's working out. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely is. Like, Kevin, I mean, I'm so curious because, you know, I think for any of our listeners out there, you can just go, go Google Chromosphere, see all the amazing work and all the accolades and all of that, which is in itself impressive. Can you talk a little bit, you know, I think like Dice and I starting Tonko House, there's like the present, the kind of outward public face of the content you make, the things mm. you make. And there's, there are hopefully, you know, and obviously victories for Chromosphere there. But there are also other victories when you run a studio. There are other things, achievements and things, struggles that people don't know about. Could you share maybe one or two kind of victories that you would say in the history of Chromosphere? How many years have you guys been going now? Like three and a half. Three and a half years. Yeah. So over the three and a half years, what are kind of victories that you feel like you've seen that maybe you didn't expect or that people don't know as much about? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like it's like most of the things. <laughs> I mean, when you're starting a business, every 
there, there's so many things that are like it's it's funny when I was working as like a background painter or a biz dev artist I would I would be able to go home at the end of the day and be like I finished the painting yeah <laughs> and it was great like everyone liked it <laughs> I like it you know right. good job just have <laughs> dinner and relax <laughs> like the things now are like they're so much harder to relate to people, <laughs> even small things from a management perspective. Like when you're you're working with an artist and you're able to you're able to motivate them to do something yeah. that's like really pushing their limitations feels amazing from from a business point of view. Sometimes you're like in a long negotiation about something, talking about all these things, and like then finally just you get it done, you get the deal worked out, and then. That, that, that can actually sometimes feel like a victory and then you get this crushing sense of like oh my god now after all that work now we have to do the work of making this thing right <laughs> that we agreed to a, a lot of days where i just i walk into the studio and everyone's here and they they, they seem happy i mean i talk to them yeah. they seem happy and they're and they're working and all the projects we're doing are really fun those are the moments where i'm kind of like I, I can't believe this actually worked out because it's sort of exactly what i was envisioning for such a long time and and yeah i mean all that stuff is like I, I don't have like lots of instagram posts or tweets to put out or like look at this cool thing that yeah. i <laughs> check out how i motivated this person today <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but absolutely. i don't i don't get like i mean I, I don't feel the same kind of need for that i mean i i get a lot of reinforcement from the people here and from my family and and stuff like that so no, I, I, I very much, I think, uh, identify with all of that. I, I think the victories sometimes are not as sort of clear, but there's an emotional satisfaction in, in, in running a company and yeah. people happy. Yeah. We talked about this moment in time where, you know, starting a family, like growing the family became a critical point where it seems like it put things into perspective to you as to what it means to start a business or stay where you were. How has kind of, being a father affected your art, your work in a way, um, your your lifestyle in a way. Like, I would imagine it sounds like you work long hours and put a lot into the business. And how is that for you right now, being a father and your work in a way? I mean, the the biggest practical thing it affects is just time management. I, I actually don't work long hours. Like, I don't, I don't work on the weekends. It's like messages you got to respond to or whatever. But like, I don't. I, I try to mostly shut it off like i'm not at home like working crazy on some presentation or anything usually there's a couple times sure. uh, you have to do it generally i've tried to just completely separate it because it's just so much it's so much fun being with the kids and yeah. going and doing stuff with them and like i think my work-life balance is actually a lot better now than before i had kids because before i had kids it was like uh, after work i'll just i'll just keep working like <laughs> yeah uh, what else am I going to do? <laughs> like yeah. now there's a lot of other stuff to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I also got like a lot of really bad advice before I became a dad about what being oh, yeah. a dad was going to be like tons of like tons of horror stories from other <laughs> parents of like, oh, just say goodbye to everything. This is oh, yeah. like, this is the end of the road for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to me, it's just been such the complete opposite. Like I, I find the kids to be such a well of inspiration and drive for me. And I love, I, I mean, to me, like when, when my son sees something we did and he's like, oh, it's really cool. Da -da. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of means 
more to me than almost anything. Big part of that decision, like when I decided I've got to figure this out and make a plan to start a business was just like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep working during the day, working at night, working on the weekends. Like it's gotta be some boundary in there at some point if, I, if I'm gonna keep going and if I'm gonna make room for these kids in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, we really try to make that possible for everybody else at the studio because I've been able to create that balance in my own life. We try to make sure that it's possible for everybody else at the studio too, to, to maintain that happy balance in their lives where we don't want them working crazy late as often as we can avoid it or like working weekends pushes that happen. But we, we, we do our best to manage our time and everybody else's time in the studio. That's amazing. Yeah. Kevin, can, do you mind like the, um, the work that you guys have done is so varied from VR, series, commercials, video games within feature films. There's so much of it that it was, you know, when we were preparing, I was like, oh my gosh, we can't, we won't even be able to get through all the things that you've touched. <laughs> but are there any of those projects that have a special place uh, for you? Favorite projects or even certain connection to any particular projects? For me, you know, the Persol commercial that I saw that you and yeah. you worked on still for me is like, I think for the time that it came out and, and what was out in the world at that point, and uh, there's so many people who have been inspired by it since, but you know that personal commercial to me is still one of the most beautiful pieces of art, animation, commercial. Well, that was a really special one for us. I mean, when I look back at projects, the ones that stand out to me are like the major milestone ones. Like Persol was a major milestone for us because it was the first time that we had ever been commissioned on our own to direct and create a film mm-hmm. i mean we had made a few films on our own before that but that was the first time somebody with money came and was like we want you to make a film for us and we yeah storyboarded it and animated it and designed it and everything from start to finish I, I think probably the number one project that stands out to me is is uh other other big milestone projects for us because june was the first major film that we did as a as a studio like we started it right after i opened the studio space um it was our first time working with john cars that there was just i mean that that was like uh like a really momentous leap for us it was like such a large scale film it was like seven minutes long 2d and 3d mixed together working with john kind of like forced us to raise our animation game uh-huh. further than we had ever done before and just still like still when i watch it every time i like take a moment to to watch it again it kind of transports me to a place where it was like just that energy of like starting the studio all the unknown and like setting out to to prove ourselves was just like just really really exciting and i I also just love how the film turned out i love the music and the the visuals like it still makes me feel really really happy to look back at it yeah it's awesome and then for chromosphere what it what does the future look like one of one of the big questions i had actually was you've always sort of created your own worlds, even when you're working on other people's things, you you are someone that I see as this world builder. Are there aspirations to do your own content, Chromosphere or yourself overall? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm looking at like a pitch deck behind the video screen right now that's for (laughs) one of our own projects that's like that. I mean, we're we're like super passionate about world building. I I definitely see us, we actually have, the first original project that we've sold and produced on our own that's an AR app coming oh, awesome. out in December. 
And I definitely see us going a lot more towards that because that's kind of where everybody's strengths lie in the studios and building these worlds and coming up with, I always, even if when it's like a linear film, I see them as experiences because we put so much thought into to crafting each of the, the worlds that are in each of the projects that we work on. And it definitely is like a logical next step to like figure out how do we get some of our own world ideas out there and story yeah. ideas and that's a big push that we're making right now, but we're also still, we do a lot of client work still because I mean, we've been like really, really fortunate projects we get are super positive, fun projects, whether it's like Carmen San Diego or whether it's our own project or a client project, we always get involved in it because there's a chance to have that really personal involvement in it. Mm -hmm. Like whenever we work with John cars, he invites us in and like really lets us become a, part of building those worlds that we're telling stories about so like we can always leave our mark on it and have a part in that building that we really enjoy it's never like like traditional service studio work where we're just handed the pieces and assembling somebody's vision it's like I think people have come to us because they they see that the way that we work on those things and the way we always bring more to it than what we were given as much as we're pushing for those uh, original projects to get made, I definitely still like the opportunity to collaborate with other creators because there's just so many great artists out there. And I, I like seeing what happens when like you add this person plus Chromosphere, like what the end yeah. result is. And Kevin, you know, a lot of our uh, audience is young artists aspiring to work at studios like Chromosphere. As you're building out towards this future, what do you look for in artists that you want to collaborate with? We always look for people who are kind of multi-talented or hybrid artists, whether it's like who can do like sort of animator plus a plus a designer or you're like you're a designer plus you know about some story stuff or like like some some mixture of, of talents is kind of what always really intrigues me when I'm looking at, at people like we definitely I think that's probably just coming from like from me because I like doing so many different things I like working with other people who like doing lots of different things and also just people who like have that same kind of drive and, and vision where like they've figured out something that they're very interested in so sometimes like with really young artists they have like these amazing visions and styles they're putting out that they don't even realize yet but then we're able to see it and you've got something that <laughs> Yeah. that we can keep developing with you and yeah just that and anyone who's a bit unusual and like <laughs> oh like like you wouldn't fit in some mega studio like you seem like this like kind of like the <laughs> the other studios that are outside of the the mainstream yeah. the, a the ar app that you talked about are you allowed to talk about the title or share um, I don't think so. It's not okay. announced yet. It'll be coming out in like a month and a half or so. And it's it's really cool. It's it's aimed at kids. I got to play test it a lot with my son, which was really, really fun. Just a quick editor's note that the AR app that Kevin just mentioned is now released and is available to the public on the Wonderscope app. This fun interactive story is called Sinclair Snake Museum Mischief. For more information about this project and how to download this app, Please click on the links in the description. And with that being said, enjoy the rest of the TankoCast. And if people do want to follow kind of things that are coming up from Chromosphere, where's the best place? Is that social media, Instagram? Generally Instagram and, and Twitter. 
the best places and we've, we've worked we actually like like one of my really big passion projects this year was the was our website that we were actually working on that thing for like six months i had tried to make a few websites for our company before but nothing that ever captured what we were all about which is re really the the process like i just love the the process of all of the projects the the process of design and animation all the technical bits of bringing stuff to life and I, I wanted a website that could really showcase that and I think our studio site really offers a pretty unprecedented glimpse into all of the inner workings of our brains and what goes into each of the projects that we make and I, I'm really really proud of that because it it also gives us a chance to spotlight every individual artist who contributed to those projects. Because there's just so many people that, that work to make these things happen. I just like seeing how all those little building blocks add up to this cool thing at the end. Versus just like showing, here's the film we made. And here's a couple bits of art. It's like, I actually went around the studio for like a month and was interviewing everybody. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> like, awesome. Um, it, it was like, I put a lot of effort into it to just document like, Someone at some point was like, are, are you making like a chromosphere museum or something? <laughs> I was like, kind of like, yeah. this is this is important to me. Like, this is the part that I really enjoy. I, I love kind of peeling back all those layers and seeing all, all those inner workings of stuff. So we, that's something we're going to keep doing as, as more of our new projects come out, like keep doing these kind of in-depth case studies of, of each of the projects that we do and sharing that. It, it really is just because like, I think it's super cool and like I hope it's, like people can get whatever insights they get from it Absolutely. and that's so cool. One last question is going into the future you guys are you know, three and a half still young studio but you know hopefully and I think have a huge future when you're like old looking back you know what's the big dream project that you hope you can look back on or big sort of mountain that um, you're looking to climb. I actually know exactly what the project is. Oh, yeah. But we're still like trying to, or at least what I think it is now. I mean, I, I feel like um, the general trend in my career has been like thinking this is, that's going to be it. Like once I get to this place, that's going to be it. And I'm going to be able to retire happy. And then I get there and immediately start thinking of whatever's next. <laughs> so maybe whatever I'm thinking now is going to be yeah. like a, a footnote at the at the end of it all but definitely something driving towards education science and especially stuff connecting to like that's like an area where we've been trying to push and are like pushing even harder now to get into those kind of areas to really be a part of that because I, I think when you get those first tastes of doing art and animation for projects like that you're like wow i'm actually like making something that can help people yeah <laughs> it's not just flashing images and cool graphics and stuff like this is actually meaningful so i hope the whatever that lifelong dream project is taps into that like taps into That's being amazing. really really lasting and meaningful and educational in that way that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that's a perfect note to end on and, and also something that I think all of us can be excited for. You know, again, Kevin, thanks so much for spending time and it's really cool. We have such huge fans over here at Tonko House. And we'll be cheering from the sideline. We'll be looking for the AR app and all the other. I know you guys have so many projects going on and here's Dice. Hey, Dice. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks so much, Kevin. <laughs>